All right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. This week for International Intersex Awareness Day, we're going to be talking about intersexuality. Um, So this week we have Mel Thompson with us. Mel, would you like to introduce yourself and give people a little a little bit more about who you are, what you do, um, and kind of why this topic pertains to you? Right. Okay. So I found out I was intersex when I was seven. Uh, I found out that I have a very small penis. And um, let's see. Uh, I'm 40. I was tested. I'm 46XX, 46XY, which means I have two separate and distinct cell lines in me, one boy, one girl. So I'm twins, basically, which is super exciting. Um, I work for the Canadian Centre for Gender and Sexual Diversity currently. And the reason I uh, went to them and and, uh, offered to write them a website about intersex was because I've never had any problems with my intersex uh, differences um, until midlife when I started to experience some of the very typical malfunctions of masculine middle age. And I wasn't able to get any medical help because doctors think intersex is always a problem and needs to be fixed. And they wouldn't even believe me that I was intersex and kept mislabeling my parts as something else so they wouldn't have to deal with them. So that's really why I'm here to um, create awareness, to, um, I guess, come out of the closet and to make things uh, more easily understood more accepted because currently or until very recently i don't think a lot of people were even aware that intersex was a thing that there are people who are neither male nor female but somewhere in the middle nor are they aware that that's actually probably pretty typical because people's sex markers don't always have to match human beings like every other species on earth plant animal insect Uh, The more we look into sexual dichotomy, the more we realize that there are exceptions to everything. And currently, science doesn't really believe anymore. It doesn't really hold it as a central tenet that, uh, um, you know, species are sexually dichotomous because there is so much overlap. So it's we're dichotomous-ish, I guess you could say. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for coming on the podcast and being so open and honest with something that a lot of people take very... Um, personally and privately, I think that having these conversations are going to help us move forward um, as a whole. So in acknowledging intersex, um, for those who have never been exposed to this at all, what does it mean to be intersex and what does intersexuality refer to? There are actually, I guess, two basic groups of intersex people. There are people... uh, like me who have never had a problem with it hasn't been an issue probably they don't even know because you could have for example um as a male there was one case in my case literature you know that i wrote up for the website of a man who was 40 who found out that one of his testicles was actually an ovary uh there's a whole spate of literature about middle-aged to elderly gentlemen who have cancerous, who have had cancerous uteruses removed, much to everyone's surprise. Nobody had any suspicion that they were intersex, but they obviously were. Um, And so those are people who have mismatching sex markers. They're not all one sex. So you could have like one one ovary, one testicle for gonads. You could have partial internal sex structures that are different from the typical. And I don't say abnormal, I say atypical or typical. 
um, or people who find out that they have more than one cell line. And there's actually, the statistics for that are quite high. Somebody um, in law enforcement actually went to the trouble of uh, figuring out the odds that people could be twins or even triplets without knowing it. And, uh, you know, they don't even have to be, uh, they could be all the same sex, which makes it more difficult to track down unless there's some kind of issue, like you appear not to be related to your own children in a blood test, for example. That's happened a couple of times in the States. Um, but there's another uh, much more um, at-risk group of intersex people, and those are people who have had significant involvement with the medical profession because their genitals looked a little different from average when they were born, which to medicine is a full-scale emergency. In reality, um, genitals actually look anywhere they want to, and we can only figure out why genitals don't look you know, position themselves at the far binary ends of the spectrum of binary sex, the way we prefer in our culture, you can only figure out why about 20% of the time. And the reason really is because they can look any way they want. They don't have to follow our rules. So when a child is born and doctors do a quick pants check, they freak out. I mean, possibly the parents freak out too, but because uh, everybody just wants a, you know, normal, in quotations, baby, but it's not really that big a deal because you can't tell with anyone what gender, what sexual orientation they will have based on the appearance of their genitals. You just can't. It's not really a thing. There's no way of predicting this. But these poor children are subjected to an infancy or childhood and often throughout their childhood surgeries to make them appear to be more sexually binary, which generally means amputating undersized penises because in medical lingo it is easier to dig a hole than build a pole and oh they don't God. really right so what they're doing is performing unconsented sex change operations on infants and children and quite often I mean typically these operations have a tendency to tear themselves apart as a child grows because it would appear the body doesn't really appreciate this unwanted interference and, you know, are subjected to surgery after surgery, incredibly traumatizing, you know, being told you're taken in for some kind of minor procedure and waking up and your parts hurt like hell. And nor do they really necessarily work. So, you know, they, doctors, they rub their hands and say, oh my gosh, we're brilliant when they sort of make someone look like what they think is passable, but there's no follow-up in adulthood. So they're really left on their own. And it's very typical that people who have had this kind of horrible, negative, um, ongoing involvement with the medical profession are avoid all medical contact, avoid all intimate contact, and don't trust people enough to have a relationship. Not surprisingly, because I would call that uh, sexual mutilation and torture. The United Nations Human Rights Commission a number of other European rights commissions, Amnesty International call it grave human rights abuses, and the UN Human Rights Commission actually also plain comes right out and names it as torture, and it says it meets or exceeds its definition for torture. So there are two kinds of intersex people, those who go, wow, how weird, I'm a typical male, but yet I had a uterus, who knew? And then there are people who are made to feel invalidated and like freaks and less than human unless they, you know, can appear to be male or female. Um, so I just want to say right off the top that on our website at the CCGSD, we do have a petition 
to end the special indemnity doctors receive in order to, which would otherwise be pursued as aggravated assault, of course, messing with somebody's genitals without their consent and completely refiguring them. Um, to end the special indemnity doctors receive in order to be able to surgically create a binary appearing sexual, um, you know, appearance without the person's consent. So that's actually different, of course. This is purely cosmetic. It does not need to happen at all. Somebody can pee, poo, etc., do all the normal things people do. They don't require any intervention. This is purely so that, uh, you know, they can go on to a normal, um, heteronormative, you know, life and know who they're supposed to marry and everyone will know how to how to uh, culturally, you know, incorporate them so that they know how they're supposed to act, basically. So we do have a petition on our website. It's at uh, look up CCGSD intersex and, and you'll be able to find it. No, amazing. We'll definitely make that available on our Instagram page as well. Um, and I'm sure it's different for a lot of people, but I was curious as to how immediate are these surgeries decided or essentially how, how immediate do they take place once a child is born and a doctor makes the claim that they, but they do it as quickly quickly as possible so there's nothing I mean typically I do know of actually well I don't want to name anyone but a relative of mine when I was very young and this was very long ago and very far away was changing her baby and I was watching and one of the other mothers said that almost her baby girl and one of the other mothers said, that almost looks like a penis, because it actually did. It looked like basically a hot dog with a wiener sticking out the end. And the mom said, yeah, well, the doctor says we're all basically start out the same. So it's not surprising things get a little mixed every once in a while. So instead of saying that, they flip out and um, enforce uh, binary sex on people. So this is a little bit different from if there is an actual health problem where there is a health danger, some kind of risk. And I'm not talking about internal testicles because the most recent literature shows that that doesn't actually necessarily or always lead to cancer, just as having a uterus in a male doesn't always lead to cancer. I'm sure there are plenty of men walking around with uteruses right now who haven't got the faintest idea that that's there, nor does it matter because that's actually pretty normal in human development that people can be intersex without cues or visible clues and most of these cases were discovered by accident. But the surgeries start as soon as it's discovered. So my difference was discovered at age seven. My doctor got in touch with uh, specialists and phoned around. And then when we went back for our interview, he said, surgery? They wanted me to send her for surgery. What does she need surgery for? There's nothing wrong with her. I told them, they don't, she doesn't need surgery. She's perfectly healthy. So he didn't actually go along with that plan, um, you know, to have my penis amputated. Instead, he phoned some scientists at Yale University who were geneticists, and what they told him was like more of a rational response was, well, just let her live as long as she's healthy and nothing's going wrong. Just let her live her life and let her decide for herself when she grows up if she feels more like a girl or a boy. So that's what we did. My mom said, well, you look like a girl and everyone thinks you're a girl, so why don't we just go along with that because people won't understand. So I actually felt like a superhero in disguise like I had a secret identity but it was actually a little bit toxic I mean I didn't I thought it was really cool I, I actually really um, thought it was you know amazing and it gave me 
perfect freedom to behave however I wanted because I grew up in the 60s when things were just beginning to change and my father needed to leave off constantly berating my mother for uh, because I was acting like a boy and he wanted me to act like a proper girl. For those who are still new to this this understanding, on the spectrum of biological sexes, does intersex fall in there at all? Does the binary between male and female and everything in between just need to be entirely demolished um, from what it does. we know? It really does. It's completely <laughs> fraudulent when you go into a hospital and they... They assume that all of your sex markers will match the appearance of your genitals. You can't make that assumption. That just isn't possible. Nor can you tell if somebody has more than one cell line by looking at their genitals or any other part of them because some people have multiple cell lines and you would never know, except that maybe some of their internal organs are a little bit different. As you spoke a little bit about two different kind of categories in individuals who are intersex, typically some find out later in life, some... Um, it's essentially immediate and then they have potentially the, you know, mutilation of, you know, whatever the doctor at birth essentially decides for them. Um, for those who can be intersex without knowing, are there any like telltale signs that people can be looking out for? Maybe if they're having issues with their own gender identity or they might feel like their body doesn't fit the binary. Are there things that they can look for or maybe specialists that they can seek out to see if maybe they can fall into a, a category or a term that they may feel is best suited for them? So intersex differences can be really difficult to track down. For example, genetic differences, you have to have at least two samples from two different tissue types. I had three, um, blood, uh, buccal tissue, and fingernail and compare them because you could have different sexes or different sex chromo different sex chromosomes in different tissues like different you know female in the blood but uh, male in the fingernails something like that um, so these differences don't typically appear nor is anyone interested in finding biopsying your gonads to find out if they're combinatory like an ovotestes or a gonad or an ovary unless there's a medical problem so maybe it's just safer to assume everyone is intersex until proven differently because we all have individual hormonal levels, for example, that kind of intersect between male and female. Um, so there's a lot of things that are shared. It would be safer, really, if hospitals, if medical doctors began to list people as whatever sex, they, whatever gender they want to be identified as, which generally is how you appear, your social sex, I guess, unless you're really uncomfortable with that but acknowledge the fact that our sex markers do not have to match. So when I um, complained that I had all the typical problems of, uh, you know, all prostate difficulties, they laughed at me and said, oh, that can't be, that's just not possible. So then two years later, when it turned out I had uterine cancer, I actually think that that began as a prostate issue, which they refused to even investigate. So... Um, there's a lot of work to be done in medicine. People can't, uh, you know, it's not worth it to test every cell in somebody's body to find out if they're intersex, and it doesn't really make a difference anyway, unless there's a health issue, but just be aware that those health issues might turn up. You might have a uterus or a partial uterine structure if you're male appearing in our culture. You might also have, like me, some prostate issues if you're basically a female appearing and here's an interesting article I found. 
French researchers in France discovered that um, women who squirt squirt prostatic fluid. So there's a clue right there, right? I mean, we do have, what is it called? A skein's gland, which is basically the same as a prostate. But I think it might be a little bit more involved in that. And the fact that they have almost a religious, you know, devotion to, you know, a belief, really a fundamentalist belief that sex must be binary is really blinding them to the reality of, uh, you know, how divergent sexually people can be without it being any kind of problem at all. No, absolutely. And I was really curious about, you mentioned a little bit before, um, maybe some male passing individuals have uteruses or uterine linings. How does that work for menstruation? That's kind of an invasive question, but I'm, I'm very curious if that's, I don't know, and I don't know if anyone knows. Uh, I suppose the body would just take care of it because there wouldn't be an opening. Mm -hmm. So the man who had one ovary, they discovered that the ovary had had, um, ovulated at least once, so they're just going about their business, doing their thing. You know, the medical myth is that intersex people are always infertile. That's obviously not the case because this gentleman had a child, you know, the normal way. And there are people who... The only thing I've heard of is turning up in weird, actually, an infertility problem because somebody who looked like a woman on the outside 100% completely, as far as anybody could determine inside, was actually all her structures were male because she went in to find out, you know, for investigations into infertility. Oh, it's just, it's very interesting, too, because we're, we're, we, are all, we are all very conditioned to believe in this binary and that, like, structures can't essentially live on their own without the binary supports to like a woman can't menstruate if she doesn't have this, 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 and this, and a man can't, you know, um, have children or ejaculate. They don't have this, this, this. So I think it's really important to acknowledge all of the holes and structural issues within the medical industry because of this notion that everything has to be black or white and there's no gray. Um, I think hopefully we're moving towards that a little bit, but it is, you know, a slow burn with any type of big institution. Um, But I would be really curious to just acknowledge for those who are still maybe having a little bit of trouble um, with what intersex actually is. Some people might confuse it as kind of a gender identity versus kind of it would fall if we're going to put it in binaries, it would fall under one sex is what I'm assuming. So maybe do you want to just debunk that, that intersex is not a gender identity and it is more of an anatomical structure, if I'm correct? Right. So um, intersex means that you have physical differences where um, your sex markers don't all match, all align. They're not all one sex. You could have uh, male sex markers in one part of your body, female in another. Um, Non-binary, gender fluid, those kind of things mean that your your identity, your sexual identity, doesn't follow the typical creation that we have made in our culture of what it is to be male or what it is to be female, and you recognize both genders in yourself or maybe none or maybe just say well that's a silly game what do you mean male what do you mean female i don't want to play 
uh, which I think is happening more and more because those definitions don't don't make sense and they are culturally created. I challenge anyone to watch a, a Maasai um, courtship ritual and not come away understanding that in different cultures, masculinity has a vastly different meaning than it does here. Or to explain why in, uh, if say, a British culture, I'm actually quite attracted to British men, men with British accents. Um, uh, men seem to be almost, you know, culturally more aware, more sophisticated, more um, witty, more sarcastic than males here who have sort of, I think, eschewed all of the, what we have labeled as feminine traits and refused to take them on so that, you know, they, you can't, this is what I love about yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and According to yoga philosophy, you can't be a balanced human being unless your, in quotes, male and, in quotes, female aspects are out of balance. You have to embrace everything to be a whole human being. But when we're talking about male and female attributes and characteristics, they don't belong specifically to one sex or another. They're human characteristics, and they belong to everyone. And nobody can be a whole part person without developing as a whole person. And uh, it doesn't make sense for us as a culture to reject for one sex um, certain attributes and not develop them. That just uh, is making us less able to get along. But I think um, the younger people today that I overhear on the bus, <laughs> so past that, you know, talking about their non-binary friends and, you know, very carefully um, using correct pronouns, they and so on and and discussing with great sophistication the levels of difference and how people feel they are and where they fit in. So gender and sexuality and sexual orientation are all really blown wide open right now. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. No, absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's making our world hopefully a better place. I know it's a slow burn, um, but as I, I'm just very fortunate to be able to have these conversations with individuals like you and to be open and honest and super candid about a lot of very personal things. So I applaud you for that. Um, yeah, I just but, wanted to say one thing about your last question because I left it out. Mm -hmm. So intersex is an identity. Some people, um, like me, I do say I'm intersex. I suppose I could just as well say because I appear female, this is what I did for most of my life. Well, I'm a woman. I'm female, but I happen to have some male parts. Uh, but now I don't really feel that way. I actually feel less and less like I can relate, relate to our culture's definitions of maleness and femaleness. And I find them actually pretty ridiculous. And mm. so I have just chosen to, I don't want to participate in that, to be labeled as either male or female, because to me, it's irrelevant. No, that's, that's super important to acknowledge as well, too, because that points out the difference between one's sex and then one's gender identity, um, which I think some people have a little bit of trouble understanding, especially those who fit in super um, binary places. But I would love to kind of debunk some myths. And I know we discussed this a little bit earlier on in regards to um, intersexuality, but um, you mentioned earlier that a lot of doctors have noted that intersex individuals are potentially infertile. Um, do you want to disprove that myth? 
That has been disproven over and over, and intersex researchers really have come to the conclusion, or at least the very deep suspicion, that when doctors started whomping out gonads of intersex people, it wasn't really because they were afraid they were going to become cancerous. It was because they were afraid they were going to breed. So there is a very deep revulsion within the medical culture towards people who don't follow the rules. So it's a very authoritarian, um, dichotomous thinking, by which I mean fascistic culture, and uh, hasn't been friendly or reasonable, um, you know, in its treatment of intersex individuals at all. Mind you, our legal system uh, apparently doesn't even recognize humans as humans unless they can be defined as male or female, so that's a problem too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very frustrating, um, but I think it's important to note too because a lot of us take the medical community as a, a place of safety and a place of aid, and that's not what it necessarily is, especially for from those who aren't the binary. Um, so I think it's important to recognize and important to acknowledge so that moving forward when young people are getting into this industry, are getting into these studies, even just for women's health in general, it's so disproportionate to male, like men's health. Um, so just to think about all of the other intersections there, are, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing that an institution that's supposed to help us it, it really is only helping two people, the men and women. And those who fit in the women category are, they have their own issues with that medical industry anyways. But that's a whole patriarchal settler colonialist conversation that I feel like would be really interesting to have. But yeah, no, I have noticed that, that medicine really, doctors are like the poster children for toxic masculinity, whether they be <laughs> male or female. They just are full of themselves. So that's a problem because narcissism and science don't mix in theory. So uh, I don't even see how we can call medicine a science based on that since narcissistic qualities are not just developed, but developed to their fullest flower in that profession. No, absolutely. And it's also important to note, like, who, who was able to create this institution? White guys. Who was able to perpetuate these understandings and these binaries? White guys. Who was able to enforce these things? White guys. And you just right. go back and back and back and back. And, and not that all, you know, all it's men. All part of, yeah, it's all part of the, um, the Levantine religious traditions, too, this very strict idea of only males, only females. But even in the Levantine religions, there are exceptions. Um, in uh, Judaism, I think there's three or four different kinds of uh, noted ways you can be intersex, I found out. Um, I think that's pretty much it. But if you go back through history, boy, there's a lot. There's a lot of references to people who are in between and, uh, you know, not one or not the other. There was a burial in Scandinavia where it was uh, a very special burial. So they think a shaman and they, they discovered, you know, they, they examined the remains and found out that it was a, really a, a female type um, skeleton. But again, everybody's skeleton is different, but, you know, tending toward the female type, except that this person also had a beard. So that tells you how our ancestors may have viewed intersexuality. No, it's, 
It's it's important to remember who wrote the history books because that's the perspective and the recognition that communities are essentially going to get. So if intersex people didn't serve the individuals that were writing the history books or didn't serve a purpose in their eyes, then unfortunately it's it's very very sad to to see how now as we're actually speculating and understanding how diverse sexuality and gender is um it's important to note and and it's kind of embarrassing to see all the things that they missed out on yeah <laughs> um, but yeah going back to the myths i would love to talk about just dating in general i feel like a lot of people have this misconstrued idea that like oh dating here we go another binary men and female or whatever that may be um as an intersex person or even just like as a human, how has that been as an intersex individual? Uh, so I can't speak for all intersex individuals, obviously, and there's a lot of intersex individuals who've been really so badly harmed that that isn't even a possibility. They have no feeling left in their uh, sensitive genital tissues whose only purpose is to provide pleasure. Um, but for me, I was aware that I was both male and female, and I went into drag, full female drag, because I was, in, you know, I was actually attracted to gay boys, I'll say. My primary so, um, sexual orientation is gay male, but that didn't work. So other than that, British guys, artists, musicians, people like that, you know, who have kind of, I guess, more of a developed cultural feminine side um, are really uh, I'm interested in. I did experiment in my 40s. I put up an ad on Kijiji <laughs> in the personals looking for boys who like girls but who like to dress up to gir as girls and that was one of the most delightful sort of episodes of my life meeting these people. So I think there's room for everyone out there. And now that we're moving away from the strict binary, unless you're really into that, unless that's really you, I do think that one of the good things about uh, knowing your intersex or finding out you have mismatched sex markers is it does allow you to question your assumptions that have been kind of drilled into you by our culture and to just be more open and, I guess, exploratory. No, that's amazing. I would love to hear about that experience on Kijiji. It's like... <laughs> How was that for you? Did you feel safe? I did feel safe. It did occur to me that I probably should not feel safe. One of the people I met actually <laughs> turned out to be somebody who I'm pretty sure was working for the CIA because his head office was in, um, God, what is that city? VA. I can't remember. There's a city in Virginia that's the headquarters for the CIA, and that's where his head office was. And, uh, yeah. His, where he was um, staying while he was in town was he had, it looked like two people were there because he had a set of men's clothes and a set of women's clothes. So, but no, I never felt unsafe. I'm pretty good at sussing out people. And, you know, we, it wasn't just a sex thing. It was like meeting and getting to know each other and stuff like that. So I no, did not absolutely. feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. No, I'm so, I'm so glad because the internet's a scary place sometimes. So, um, Props to you for putting yourself out there like that. I think that's amazing. Um, 
so in regards to like the larger community and just being an intersex individual in like a very heteronormative world, um, are there any stigmas associated with being intersex? And if so, like how does this affect the dialogue um, and knowledge surrounding the intersex community? Huge, huge stigma from, from birth on, from the, uh, you know, extraordinary, hysterical, violent, you know, reaction to seeing somebody's genitals who don't look the way you think they're supposed to look, you know, to the violence of surgery, right? Um, really what intersex people are told is they have no right to exist, no reason to exist. They're freaks. They shouldn't be here. That's coming from the medical side, those people who, who know what's going on or who found out later by accident because it was withheld from them. You know, their parents were instructed never to tell anyone. Even early, in the early days, they, they told parents to move away basically go into witness protection program mode, change your name, tell no one, you know, about how the, the fact that your son, used, your daughter used to be your son, tell no one, this is horrible, this is a terrible, terrible secret. So shaming really came from the medical side, I would say. I don't really think there was any need for it ever. I'm not sure our culture, well, you know, back in those days, I remember growing up in Edmonton, even as a teenager, so that would have been, you know, in the late 70s and 80s, people could get beat up, men could get beaten up, if they dress too flamboyantly for looking in quotes too gay. So things have changed a lot. On the other hand, my own father was massively homophobic. And when I first came home and my mom told him the news and they discussed it, he actually spent probably a week saying over and over again, but, but if it turns out she's attracted to boys, she's a normal girl, but a faggot too. And, and if it turns out she likes girls, she's a normal man, but one of them funny girls. And he just said this over and over and over and actually lost his mind. And my mother sort of huffed and rolled her eyes to the ceiling, you know, and tisked. And then after about a week, he just said, ah, it's too much trouble to think about. And he just gave up. So even somebody like that can come around, you know, given the right cues and, and saying, okay, this is the way it is. This is just how it is. You're just going to have to deal with it. She'll figure it out when she's older. So there doesn't need to be shame. On the other hand, I was very definitely told not to tell anyone ever. I do know my mom told one of my aunts who said, well, at least she's the right sun sign. She's Gemini, twins. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't really seen as a huge big deal. And people, that aunt doesn't even remember the conversation. So it comes up in conversation and people don't care as much, I think, as doctors think they're going to care. It's not the end of the world if a boy's penis is too small to pee standing up, at least as far as they can tell, because, of course, you never know how big a penis is going to get when it's erect from looking at <clears throat> um, the flaccid side, I can tell you. Um, you can be really surprised. I'd love to hear a little bit, well, love is not the right word, but to give people an understanding of some personal discriminatory acts that you might have faced being intersex is there anything that you're willing to kind of discuss and um okay share? yeah i can start when i was 12 sitting in school and my voice started to crack and pop exactly the same way a lot of the other boys voices were doing and people stared at me everything stopped and they just looked at me and i said oh well I guess that's because I'm actually both sexes. And then I explain things very briefly. Wow, what a wrong thing to do in small town Alberta. No, that caused massive problems for me, massive hatred. You know, I was told to commit suicide. I was a freak. I shouldn't be here. So that's the reason, I guess. That's kind of like doctor think. That's the reason they want to, people not to know they're different and to have no, um, you know, physical cues other than massive scarring in their genitals that anything ever was different. 
However, later in life, I've had people say things to me like younger boys or younger men. Um, because I did discover later in life that I really prefer dating younger men because they have a distinct mechanical advantage. Um, so they would say things like, I wouldn't even disclose because I wasn't even that conscious of it. I never thought about it. I had learned not to think about it. They'd say, oh my gosh, you're intersex. And they knew everything about it. And they go, wow, this is amazing. This is the best day of my life. I can cross this off my bucket list. I never thought I would meet someone like you. So quite a different thing, you know in adulthood from adolescence. And I don't think adolescence would be so traumatizing now unless you were in a small redneck town. But even then, I mean, I don't know what happened to it, but uh, in the last provincial government, there was a wonderful um, school program, sex education program that in included all genders, all sexes. It was completely inclusive, very human rights focused. I don't know if that was wiped off the table by, you know, the incoming Tory government when it came in or if it's still there, but it was really uh, so heartening to see, so affirming. So the other um, discriminatory acts that I've experienced have all been in medical doctor's offices. So when I went in for one exam, exam for example, the doctor who was there flipped out. He got really angry because I was stepping onto male privilege and started leaping around the examining room, slapping and grabbing his junk and saying, you can't have a penis. A penis has to be right here. And then he slapped his junk and shook it and said, there's no possibility for anything else. And so he just basically, he, then he subjected me to a deliberately rough internal exam. I'm using the quote, uh, you know, the exact words that the registered nurses association of Ontario used in their, um, position statement on trans rights in healthcare because they had observed doctors doing the same thing to trans people, deliberately sexually mistreating and violating them as a form of punishment because they didn't happen to like what they had done. So, uh, otherwise, I actually experimented with just telling people, disclosing to everyone, disclosing to random people at bus stops, and I never experienced anything remotely like discrimination. People just say, oh, that's interesting. That must be a cool way to live or something like that. So, um, yeah, our medical system is very, very, very far behind the culture in this. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you had to experience that. That's like traumatizing, even just hearing that people can, you think they go to school for so long, you think they'd be smarter than that. But <laughs> like, really? It's There's a problem with narcissism. I've just, everything nasty thing that's happened to me has, with doctors has been a result of people who uh, do not want to or can't tolerate being told that they are wrong. So, you know, the minute you say, no, no, I think you're, actually that's not how it is, and they're going to lose their minds. I mean, it's different if a different, another doctor tells them something. They're perfectly willing to accept it. But... Um, you know, if you really study narcissism, it's, uh, it's almost as if they select for that particular trait when they're choosing people to be doctors, or at least they extremely overdevelop it. You know, telling somebody you can't be wrong is a recipe for disaster in the sciences, because science is built on the mistakes which you've learned from. No, I, I think that's an important note, too. And I, I especially with anyone i think that we all know our bodies better than anyone else does better than any doctor does and sometimes it's hard to counter their 
understanding because we're in the society where we see doctors as essentially the ultimate. Um, but we are the individuals that know our body better than anyone else does. So we are the ones that can let you know if there's an issue or not. We may not be able to give you the science behind the issue, but we can tell you if there's discomfort or pain. So yeah, I'm, right. I'm, we are all the sole experts and authorities on our own bodies functioning and dysfunctioning. But that isn't actually always respected, even just for something not as contentious as intersexuality. I mean, look at Lyme disease, for example. It was, a, a pu it was on public health's watch list for 30 years. And still, after 30 years of people coming in with these mystery system, symptoms that weren't on the final exam, they were being laughed out you know, of emergency rooms and told, you were already told this is just a mental health concern. Please go away. So I, that did happen to one woman I know who almost died. She spent eight years being laughed out of emergency rooms and doctor's offices in Quebec and Ontario because she lives in Hull. And then found out through private testing with a naturopath that she had Lyme disease and cured it and went back to the doctors. They're, oh, oh, sorry. But I mean, that doesn't really cut it. Nothing excuses that kind of disrespect. Basic disrespect for anyone who doesn't have the medical um, license. So, yeah, I'm pretty down on the medical profession. I really think it needs to be basically restructured, restructured, bitch slapped into accepting reality and, you know, um, run by people who are sane. So, yeah. No, absolutely. I think that that would be an amazing conversation to have in, in itself. Um, but going back to intersex, um, do you have any good resources or um, tools for those who may be intersex or looking for a greater community to connect with? Um, where would you point them to? What would you suggest they know? My website's really good. <laughs> if you Google, it's easier anyway. CCGSD intersex will take you right there. Uh, the um, intersex roadshow blog is fantastic. That was like my savior in the early days because this early... As late as, say, 2013, when I really started to research this, I couldn't find anything about intersex on the internet unless I went uh, to, you know, one of my university friends and used their scholars portal, so I didn't have to pay, basically, and found mm -hmm. um, uh, scholarly research articles, you know, from medical literature. But even then, that was hard because doctors don't call intersex intersex. They call it disorders of sexual development or DSDs. So you can't just have an individual of difference of sex, individual difference of sex, which is what I would say non-problematic differences are, individual differences of sex. If you have any divergence from binary appearance, not even binary reality, you're in big trouble. Intersex Roadshow blog, Interact in the United States is doing amazing advocacy work also for changing laws and providing information. And on... Um, Facebook and Instagram, there are now many, many websites for intersex uh, and non-binary. So one of my favorites is, is that my gender? And it's actually hilarious. You know, people posting pictures of like an array of different choices is, which is my gender, you know? So a collection of, uh, you know, weird cat photos or something and people choose them. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. And maybe just to kind of close off, is there any advice or maybe words of affirmation that you would give to anyone who is in the process of discovering or figuring out if they fall um, 
as an intersex individual or maybe they're struggling with their health and could be a byproduct of that, what would you let them know and maybe say to them? If it's a person who's had significant negative uh, traumatizing involvement with the medical profession, I would say, I am so sorry. Um, and even though you've been kept away from people who are like you, kept away from, you know, meeting other, other people who are similar to you, they are out there. You can find them on uh, the intersex uh, Facebook groups where, you know, people regularly come and say, okay, this happened to me. And everyone is in shock and says, wow, that's awful. But, you know, it happens over and over. Um, if you're somebody who thinks you might be intersex, you probably are. If you think you're not intersex, you probably are. Because, you you know, you would never know unless something comes up. Um, if you think something has come up physically, for example, you're 70 years old and, and something's, you know, going on in your gut. And they want to operate, they take it out and say, you could actually start collecting these articles also and present them, scientific articles only, because uh, you know, a medical doctor wouldn't consider anything else, to show that um, this happens, people like this exist, and I think I might be one of them. So, you know, I think a younger doctor, somebody who's been through school more recently, is probably going to be far more open because it's getting harder and harder to, I think, get away in basic scientific biological uh, education. It's getting harder and harder, except for medical school, which has a completely different view of reality, that uh, to accept the idea that people are always or necessarily sexually binary because that isn't true. Sex is actually just as much an artifact of culture, it turns out, as is gender. So, so fascinating. So, you are who you think you are. You are who you want to be. You are valid. You have every right to be here. Thank you so much. I think that is such a great note to kind of end on. This has definitely been one of the heavier episodes, but I'm really, really grateful that you were willing to come on and speak with us, Mel. Um, so thank you again. If there's anything else you want to plug, any other social media or um, website that you want to just um, pull out here, we'll also have it all available on our Instagram. Um, yeah, go right ahead if there's anything else. All right. So I guess on Facebook, there's Organization Intersex International and... Intersex Society of North America. I think those are the two really biggest ones. The non-binary ones are just a hoot. Non-binary <laughs> gender fucks and those who love them is one of them, you know, on Facebook. They're actually really light and really fun. People making fun of, you know, you know the seriousness of gender, you know, how, how seriously we're supposed to take it and believe in it. So there's that too. You really don't have to believe in gender anymore. Yeah, no, those are the ones that I really like, those websites. And some of the articles are really fantastic just for explaining what some of the differences in different ways uh, people can go on the Intersex Roadshow uh, blogspot.com or something like that. Intersex Roadshow by a social science professor, I think, who is intersex, uh, Carrie Gabriel Costello in the States. So thanks to him because I think he saved my life in the dark early days. He was the only one publishing this kind of stuff, but now there's, it's really exploding, and I'm so happy to see that. Um, 
you know, it's really become a thing people are becoming aware of and not, uh, it's like, the, what, they've never heard of it? Do you mean trans? No, not trans, just having more than one sex characteristic, you know, more than one sex in your makeup and it happens all the time. And people don't really seem to have a hard time accepting that at all. Like, I've never had anybody flip out and say, no, there's no such thing as intersex, you know, the way that doctor did, so. <laughs> well, hopefully we can get to a point where it's not only accepted by the individuals, but the institutions that our society kind of thrives off of, um, or we can just dismantle all the institutions and, you know, have an anti-colonialist way of living, but that's just, you know, my cup of tea it may not be everyone's um but i do want to thank you again mel for coming on the podcast and having this conversation with me um i just want to remind everyone to subscribe to the ladies let's talk about sex podcast for more episodes like these check us out on instagram all of the contacts and resources that mel provided will be linked there um and yeah thank you for listening and we will see you next week Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure. Thanks again, Mel.